What's up, VIPs? Thanks for listening to another episode of The Inclusionist. This is a podcast all about breaking barriers and stereotypes, social justice, culture, and more. I hope you guys are having an amazing day. I am sipping a tea this morning. The air smells like rain. I'm happy to be here and ready, so ready for today's episode. Today, I want to talk about shit you just don't say to Black people. Yep, no beating around the bush. That is today's topic. Now, I'm not here to police words or take away anyone's freedom of speech. In short, I believe you should be able to say whatever you want so long as you are prepared for the consequence of what you say, which may include not being liked, accepted, or being negatively judged or punished for the words you speak. So if you do want to be an ally to Black folks, if you do care about your words or how your words might cause harm, and you want a 101 on microaggressions to avoid, this episode is for you. So let's get into it. The first one I want to talk about is using Black terms to appeal to Black folks or putting on what some people call a Black scent. Just be yourself. You do not need to put on a Black scent to talk to Black folks. Black folks are multifaceted and from so many different walks of life. And I want to talk a little bit about the Black experience because being Black is a struggle some of the time, yet a beautiful, beautiful human experience because Black folks have a collective culture, yes, but part of that collective culture comes from our collective appreciation and understanding of the diasporic experience. And the fact that we are all different and being in celebration of that is part of the Black experience. And it's almost like we're all different roots of the same tree. We're all Black, but we're all not alike. And when white peers perform, choose to perform with Black sense and Ebonics and you're trying to connect with us, it reduces us Black folks to cartoon forms of who you think we are in your mind or what white folks think we should sound like. Try not to do this, please. We don't need you to sound like any version of us. Just being yourself is great and it will allow black folks around you to feel like we too can also be our whole selves around you. The second one I want to point out is using the one Black friend you have or your Black friends as a reason why you are an ally. Let me explain. 
I've heard I have a black friend. I couldn't be racist. Okay, let's dissect that a bit from a logical standpoint. Racism is not specific to one person, right? Your one black friend is not the ultimate shield that protects you from being racist. Think about it this way. You can't love all black people except this one guy named John and be racist. You would just hate John in that scenario. John the individual, right? The same is true in reverse. You could hate all black people except your one black friend, John. And there's also another toxic variation of this with dating a black person as a white person, which is that you you can't possibly be racist if you marry someone of a different race. Or if you're white and you end up with a black partner, that that makes you not racist. If it's possible to be a man married to a woman and still be sexist, it's very possible to be married to someone of a different race and still be racist, right? And not being racist requires more effort than associating with Black people. Probably, actually, the moment you do associate with Black people, it requires more It requires more effort. Actually, if you are with a Black person or have a Black friend, that should incentivize you to want to learn more, to want to be more open. It should help you be more receptive or more mindful of information. It should want you to seek information that will help you be a better partner or a friend to your Black friend. Overt racism is not only easier to spot, it's also easier to to dispute, to say, oh, that's messed up. But the racism that is behind friendships, relationships, and other shields, that, that's the racism that becomes very difficult to call out. Please do not use us for clout. The third one I want to talk about is how you don't see color. This is arguably one of the most typically well-intentioned microaggressions I've heard because I know a lot of white folks mean, I don't see your color as any less than mine or we are all equals. And I do believe many people are quite well-intended when they assert this. I don't see color or let's be race-neutral But the fact is that for many Black and brown people, these words can feel extremely hurtful. They can feel disappointing. I know I feel disappointed and frustrated when I hear these words personally. And I know that's that's a shared feeling. I don't see color can feel like I'm choosing to ignore this part of you because it makes me more comfortable. And I think instead of being blind to race, colorblindness makes people blind to racism. 
and it can make it more difficult for them to acknowledge the effects of racism on their black and brown friends. And for many black folks, our skin color matters very much, not just because of historical racism and the racism we endure today, but also because our race is a proud source of strength, of cultural connection, and original creative expression. And denying seeing color sounds almost like denying the reality of the Black experience, the beautiful and the ugly. Now, I'm personally not just my race. I am much, 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 much more than just a Black woman. But my Blackness brings beauty to the table. And claiming you don't see color sounds like you are also blinding yourself to from that beauty. It is not all of me, but it is an important part of my identity. I think we can humanize individuals without having to separate them from their racialized identity. The next one we're going to talk about is the question, where are you really from? Now, this can seem like a pretty harmless icebreaker when you're trying to engage with Black folks or people who obviously look different from you or may seem like they are not from around here, but it can also quickly turn downright uncomfortable, this question, or into a microaggression. And I think context matters, really, but I'll just give you some food for thought. I think this question sometimes can feel like it's shrinking a person's whole identity down to just their location or culture. This can make them feel like they don't quite fit in. And if someone is already in a social setting where they may already feel othered, this may exacerbate that feeling rather than making them feel included. Like most of the time when people ask this question, they're genuinely curious and mean no harm, right? But here's the thing. For folks who already stand out in a crowd and feel like you don't blend in and you're just trying to fit in, it can hit a nerve. It feels like Folks are making assumptions already about your race, your ethnicity, your nationality. Maybe your story is a heavy one. Maybe the person is a Somalian refugee and you're digging in asking them, where are you from? Where are you from? What's your story? Maybe their story is painful and now is not the place or the time to get into it. And I've had this question before. And it's not so much the question as much as the digging in after. Where are you from? Where are you really from? Another reason why I'm advised to be more sensitive around this question with Black folks is because slavery. I think, I think one thing some folks don't think about is that when a Black person tells you they're from Virginia and you ask them, oh, but where are you really from? You're you're potentially asking them to go into their ancestral slave origin story. And that's how many Black folks got here. That's the story. <laughs> so, and this is why this question might be uncomfortable. 
not even for the black person you're asking, but for you as a white, for you as a white ally, right? Here's a golden rule to remember. Don't push for more information than someone's comfortable sharing. Respect their boundaries and the answer they decide to give you. The fifth one is, and I can't believe we still have to talk about this, but it's okay. Here we are. Can I touch your hair? Or just randomly touching our hair without asking. Okay, this one is touchy for me because I have a bald head and the number of times, you would be surprised, the number of times my bald head has been touched by unwashed hands without my permission is quite upsetting. We are not pets or animals, okay? And actually, I want to deracialize this experience for a moment. I find it quite bizarre to want to touch anyone's head. It is a consent violation. Black and brown folks around you deserve personal space. And also, do not ask us if our hair is real. Not only is it none of your business, but it is also a strange backhanded compliment that black folks cannot grow nice hair. And if it is on their head, it was bought. Black hair comes in so many different textures. And good hair is healthy hair. Nice hair is healthy hair. It doesn't look any one way. If you want to compliment us on our hair, do that. If it's a complete stranger, I would probably leave it at, I love your hair, looks amazing. Because unfortunately, there have been so many constant offhand comments and backhanded compliments that make Black women very wary about commentary, and we may receive or perceive something entirely different than your intent. And the other thing is that for a lot of Black folks, hyperspatial awareness is a key and survival-driven yet exhausting aspect of daily existence outside like outside in the world. For many of us, life or death, many Black folks are extremely aware of who all over there and what are they doing. Because there are folks around exercising legal and illegal violence against us, like the police, like individual racists, like people who might be just apprehensive about our existence in their spaces, And so many Black folks are already sensitive to personal boundaries. So if you do want to be an ally, a simple thing you can do is to allow us the right to personal space. Yep, just keep your hands respectfully, please, to yourself. The last one I want to touch on is 
You speak so well. You're so articulate. Just like the touching hair that we just talked about, right? You speak so well. You're so articulate is one that I am very sensitive to. A little bit about my background. I am from Ghana. My family is from Ghana. And in Ghana, um, we speak English because it was a British colony for many years up until the 60s. And English is spoken by most people in Ghana. It is the main language at this point. We have other languages, but a lot of people speak English. And a lot of people speak English better than many Americans. Sorry, sorry to say. We, we were taught British English growing up in school. So yes, I can articulate myself. <laughs> I am well-spoken. And I used to get really offended when white folks would seem so surprised that I know how to enunciate words, that I understand grammar and comprehension. Yes, I do know how to read Shakespeare. Yes, I am capable of expressing myself. Please do not have a surprise tone of how a Black person has the capability to articulate themselves in a way that you as a white person find intelligent or acceptable. Because it says that you do not think the average Black person is intelligent enough to express themselves. And when folks make statements like, you speak so well, you're so articulate, you're smarter than the others, it reveals the racist perception that racialized people are at some kind of intellectual disadvantage to white folks. I really could go further into this last one, and maybe I will save it for its own whole episode, but I feel I already made my point. Yeah. There are folks who would tell me Black folks are being too sensitive, and this is actually a compliment. It can sound quite condescending to most folks on the receiving end. It does not sound to us. It doesn't come off like a compliment. It do, if what you're trying to do is deliver a compliment, it's not being received that way. Please do not be in any type of awe when a Black person speaks in a manner that you consider to be of higher intellect. Just remember that when you say something to someone, three things do tend to happen every time we speak. One, what we intend to say. Two, what we actually say. And three, what is heard. And if you have made it to the end of this episode, Give yourself a tiny pat on the back because you've been an active listener and that is many times the first step to showing you are an ally, that you are listening. And then from there, you are building action towards our collective liberation. Thank you so much for tuning in today. 
As always, the transcript for this episode, as well as a list of cited sources and resources, are available on the website. You're the best. Keep supporting Black-owned brands, supporting Black authors, supporting the Black community. Thank you so much for listening. Bye!